0: This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Toink. What's Toink? Toink is your online source for cool costumes, trendy toys, and hot collectibles. It is an amazing, eclectic online toy store. Hey, we checked them out at one of the conventions, and we reached out to them and said we love the selection of neat stuff that you have available. Check it out. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and find the link to Toink, T-O-Y-N-K. Simply click on that link, surf around, and you're going to find some cool stuff. Using our link supports the show and gives us a little cut of your spend at no extra cost to you. So definitely go to Toink, find something neat, and support Nerd Cognito. Now, on with the show. Nerd Cognito. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Ryan David, and you are listening to Nerd Cognito. Thanks for joining us this week. I am joined by my friend Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Oh, not too bad sleepy sleepy day today so i'm just oh going through the motions you know (laughs) it's (laughs) it's just one of those days what can i say got uh a lot out of the holiday calendar this week uh officially attended some christmas parties (laughs) yeah no it's just a sleepy day i've got uh Nothing exciting going on, except for, of course, the things that we're going to talk about tonight. We've got a, a lot. It's like Nerd Cognito Potpourri. There's been a <laughs> bunch of nothing that's happened, and we're going to talk about it all tonight. So
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: I know you're going to add some to that mix. We're going to open up with a, a chat about when you get requests for games... And sometimes from the strangest of places. Talk about the next bomb that Hasbro dropped on the D&D scene. Really think they're looking to kill the IP. We, of course, have the news. And then I had an interesting quasi-gaming experience where um, our dear friend and I sat down and tipped our hat to the days gone by because of a conversation that the NerdCognito girls were having on Twitter about procedurally or on the fly generating a dungeon. And uh, we're going to talk about that because guess what? We now have effectively a full module ready to go for the NerdCognito table awesome <laughs> so lots of good stuff but hey the floor is yours because you came at me and said rawr, 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 and you never do that <laughs> so <laughs> tell everybody what's going on
1: well I got a text from my sister about lunchtime okay and she's uh, she was asking me to run a uh, a campaign for her nephew
0: okay her nephew like, is how old just curious. Uh,
1: Late teens. Oh, okay. Which I have no problem running a campaign I, I for know, that age group. I know, I know, But uh But the, the request that I got was, hey, can you run a campaign based on the Wheel of Time, books 6 through 14, for my nephew?
0: Uh, that's oddly specific. <laughs> I'm right? guessing that the nephew is a big Wheel of Time fan. Uh,
1: I would assume so.
0: I I never was a, a huge Wheel of Time sort of guy. It uh it just didn't uh grab my gonads. Uh, did you read the Wheel of Time? I read like the first book and I petered out in in like the second one.
1: I read the first 9 books. Oh! No. It really bogged down about book 9 and I just never finished the series.
0: Okay. So you're at least better equipped than than I would ever be to to run this. Um, did she tell you any other you know loose requests? Wheel of time, books six through twelve.
1: No, no, nothing at all. So I mean, I have about a million questions, but you know the 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 primary thing is when I I get an a- I get asked to run a campaign, I'm like I have no problem with that. You know me, I'm in five gaming groups right now, starting a new one. I could probably work that into my schedule. Sure. That's not an issue. The problem is that the request is so specific, and it's from a series of books that I haven't read in over a decade.
0: Right. I was going to say, Wheel of Time is not exactly a new hot property. I know there was right. the the Amazon show, but that wasn't terribly well received. So, um, and she's asking specifically for a set of books, right? Right.
1: Right. So I mean if if somebody said, "Hey, I really love The Witcher. Could you come up with a a gaming experience that's set in that same universe where there are witchers and monsters and I could probably set something in a fictional universe. You know, it's just reskinning something that you've already got. You could take, you know, a D&D or a Pathfinder or something like that, you know, come up with some guidelines for the world, some, you know, look at a few maps, there's a ton of lore out there, but you don't necessarily need to know all the bits and pieces in order to be able to fit something into that world. Sure. But, but to specifically go, uh, this, this section of books, you know, this world, and then, you know, nothing, no system, nothing about what they're interested
0: in. Like, well, there is the old wizards of the coast D 20. I don't remember if it was three Oh or three five wheel of time, uh, system, Right, I remember right. Uh, something came out, and it was under um, Wizards actually published it, so uh, it wasn't like a, a third party, and it was licensed. But uh, if you're talking about a 16 year old kid, uh, I don't know, seasoned gamer? Question mark. Um, not hugely. I, because
1: uh, about a year ago, she asked me if I had any of the older version D books and so i gave her a core set for three five okay f- for this same kid so right. that he and his friends could learn dungeons and dragons and three five was probably my favorite system because it was crunchy but it wasn't super complex when you compared it to you know some of the uh some of the systems that came before it right so I thought it was a good chance for them to cut their teeth on a system that had some number crunch to it and was relatively user friendly. You know, so I know he's been playing for at least a year, but beyond that, I have no idea what sort of gamer this guy is. I don't think I've ever met the kid in person.
0: So, and then you, now you're going to be sitting down at the table and running a game with him. That's that's curious. I'm just putting my thinking cap on here, um, and again, I'm I'm looking down a certain avenue of things that would be very receptive to just accepting a skin. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe you do BX or possibly Castles and Crusades. Um, C&C might be the way to go. I I know Troll Lord for their holiday thank you to the community, was giving away the digital PHB. I wonder if that deal is still going, but if that's the possibility... You can tell him right now. Hey, go download the CNC PHB. Uh, you download it as well, or uh, I know you have it. If not, I have it, right? And right. castles and crusades would be sort of the nudge and direction that I would go to if you're going to throw a skin on it because it, it it accepts those very well. The guys at Troll Lord did a very good job of recreating uh, the feeling that a lot of the traditional gaming that we have done in the past created. And that was, you know, yes, there's this system, and yes, you can play in the world, but it's incredibly welcoming to whatever sort of juice you want to hose down onto it. So um, that might be the solution to your system, because I I can only imagine that that Wheel of Time three o slash 3.5, again, I don't remember... But I'm sure it's out of print, and right. I don't think this kid's going to drop a, a couple Benjamins on it on eBay.
1: Right, right. And the chances of me getting my hands on it for a reasonable price, especially for something that was a favor ask, you know, is would be kind of a... You know, that's kind of a big ask for me to invest money in a system that I'm going to use one time.
0: It sure is. It sure is. Um, how Plus, are you going to approach it? Are you going to, like... Throw them into the roles of the characters, or are we gonna just sort of look at something in the world?
1: And, that, uh, and that's the thing is like, since they specifically asked for you know a set of books, my first thought is, do, do I have to go back and rebuy and reread those books to just figure out what happened in the story at that point? No, beggars
0: can't be to, choosers. If, <laughs> if you, if you no, I'm being serious here, you know, if you. Plunk it into the world. And like you said, you've read the book, so Cliff Notes brush up on just the setting in general. Right. Let's let's face it, you know, role playing is role playing, no matter what we're role playing. So I have confidence you'll be able to pull that off. It's just a matter of getting up to snuff on the uh on on the actual setting. Because like I said, I would be I would flat out not be equipped for this because didn't read them for such a very long time. And what I read was so limited and I didn't enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> triple, right. Three strikes the right there.
1: To just throw a very specific ask at me, like out of the blue, I was stunned. What the heck am I supposed to do with that?
0: <laughs> I, I hear you. You know, the ladies uh, on Twitter sort of, threw my name out there with a poll that they did this week they said you know if uh, we could get rd to run a system online what would you commit to play and you know they they threw out a, a handful of systems i think ad and d was the winner so putting me back into thaco um <laughs> but again you know it, it it does catch you off guard because i wasn't expecting that and then uh, you know, I got this this message, hey, here you go. How do you feel about running AD&D online for our fans? And I said, uh, I feel great about it, but where and when are we going to, you know, increase the hours in the day? You know, I have to, uh, I guess I'm more sensitive to that. You're like, yeah, I'll just find time. Give me a 14th gaming group. I, I, yeah, I mean, I I work from home.
1: Right. Know? My my wife works sixty hours a week. Gaming keeps me out of trouble. I can do a weeknight <laughs> I can do a week gaming session. I can do a weekend gaming session. I can, you know, I can schedule something once a month with a new group if I needed to.
0: But like, and I just like trouble, so I don't have <laughs> the luxury of having those empty spots.
1: You know the uh I, oh hey. The Wheel of Time role-playing game that you mentioned is available on Amazon.
0: I'm sure it's probably out of print and like $200. bucks. 134 dollars
1: 51
0: Oh, that's not bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For a system you're going to use one time.
0: Right. No, 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 no. That's why I said, you know, find something cheap as free or very inexpensive. That's why I was going to BX2 because it, it skins well, as as you know. Um, right.
1: And I believe I have the digital... PHB for Castles and Crusades floating around. I could skin something and make it, you know, kind of fit that world without having to invest a huge amount of money into it.
0: No, plus, you know, it's not so bad to nudge people's eyes open that there is more to tabletop role-playing than Dungeons & Dragons. Absolutely. As we're going to talk about here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) D&D, in their... I I really this pains me, Bert. We've I've said this before, you know. I we we all love D anD D. Sure, we or grew, grew up loved on it. We cut our D&D.
1: teeth on it. It was the first role playing game system I ever used.
0: Right, it was the big bad booty daddy of them all for a very long time. So it really pains me to see the state of Dungeons and Dragons as it is now. And here we have what I think is another push towards the edge of the cliff. Um, This week, Dungeons & Dragons executives have publicly stated that they believe that, quote, the brand is really under-monetized, unquote. Um, Under-monetized. Under-monetized. Wizards of the Coast... uh, Can you define that a little better. I, I mean, they I have sure. like a
1: thousand supplements at like twenty-five bucks each. So twenty-five to fifty bucks. I was going to say twenty-five
0: I mean. bucks each. Hello, eighty-eight miles per hour. No, they're 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 looking at like fifty bucks a pop on at least sticker price on the supplements, and then you know you wait three weeks, and then they don't sell, and then they're twenty bucks, uh, which is <laughs> unfortunately part of what we're talking about, where we're seeing this horrible, horrible downward trend. Now Magic is not bringing in the money that Hasbro wants. Hasbro has publicly said that in 2023 they're now gonna lean on the D IP for the heavy lifting in the revenue department. That's bad news. Uh Wizard says that they want to, in relationship to this, you know, under monetized statement, create a quote, recurrent spending environment. around the the RPG's digital front. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but that sounds like it has microtransaction written all over it.
1: The first thing I thought about was, are we talking about, is
0: D&D taking a loot box model? I don't know that it's going to be a loot box model, but I can absolutely see... All right, hey, you're unlocking the Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook. You've paid your 25 bucks. Oh, what's that? You want the elf racial section? Five bucks. Oh, you want dwarves? Five bucks. What's that? You want to play a wizard? Five bucks. Oh, you need the feats? Ten bucks. That's not going to fly. With any community, ours specifically, you know, because we, we sort of see that for what it is. And, you know, our dear friends, they don't buy stuff to begin with. They're not going to be dropping microtransactions for Dungeons & Dragons. They're going to move on to the next hot property and leave D&D in the dust. Um, right, and
1: to me, I mean, D&D was always a more of a table experience, but I have friends that I play online with. One of my gaming groups is exclusively online because the guys live, you know, in the middle of nowhere. They, there's no opportunity for them to have FaceTime at a table to play games. So guys like that who are, you know, stuck, for one of a better term, with digital options, I can't see them, you know, kind of swallowing that.
0: No, and, and and you know, we just alluded to it, C C just gave away their PHB. right? There right. are other lateral moves that are, in my opinion, even stronger systems to play that people will seek out when it becomes this giant money pit. Uh, the statements were uh, in an investor seminar. Uh, that's where where they made these statements. you know, the, the Sparkle troll in charge Cynthia Williams who blocked I Hate Ryan David on Twitter back in the day, um, was joined by Hasbro's CEO, Chris Cox. So this is not a a small brainstorming endeavor. This is something that they're going to shove into that one D&D model, and they are going to nickel and dime the IP to death. I really think that this is... The beginning of the end. And it's bittersweet because it needs to rise from the ashes and be reborn, but it needs to rise under management that appreciates it for what it is.
1: And it's Well, I mean, fortunately we have five editions in books that we can still play, you
0: know? Well, you know, three and a half editions in books that are playable. Fourth, eh, combat rubs me the wrong way in fourth. And then fifth edition, um, I don't have any purple hair dye. So, I I, I don't know. Um, To continue, Cox... (laughs) Uh, I love the irony. (laughs) Uh, Cox said that he wants to shift Dungeons & Dragons into a, quote, four-quadrant brand which uh, uses the tabletop environment as one corner of the brand, and then entertainment, like the uh, upcoming Honor Among Thieves movie, as a brand, Uh, an expanded line of toys and collectibles, and then AAA video games. So this sounds like a big Hail Mary. We're not only going to focus on the game we're going to focus on the brand and we're going to put it into film and video games and trinkets and Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. There's, there's this, this thing that's the game that, that we should probably think about too. It seems
1: like, you know, I'm all about, you know, if you have a brand that you can expand, you know, if you can make money doing something, I'm all for it. But this is like, just seems like a way to alienate your fan base is this, you know, a death knell for D&D as we know it.
0: I think that the most accurate prediction goes all the way back to when we did our OSR roundtable when one D&D was first announced. And our dear friend, the super macho Dutch man, Victor Gorchev, said this issue of Dungeons & Dragons becoming a lifestyle brand will kill it was spot on. Because not only was this all there, but they actually pulled the words out of Victor's mouth and used the phrase lifestyle brand. So, they're not going to be able to print money with this philosophy. And, you know, I want to love Dungeons & Dragons again. It is so centric to my love of the tabletop hobby.
1: Right, but, I mean, it was the whole thing that kicked off the whole thing for me, you know. Playing D&D first and second editions were sort of, you know, where I where I learned to love games.
0: Hey, we can always just hope that uh, the IP doesn't do well. I mean, I don't want to say, I hate 5th edition, right? I don't hate 5th edition. I strongly dislike 5th edition. <laughs> But it pains me that one of the options that I'm kind of saying, oh, is this really so bad, is if it fails miserably and the IP is sold for pennies on the dollar, and then someone like the new TSR can scoop it up and make it great again. Make Dungeons and Dragons great again. We need red hats (laughs) I'm gonna get email on that one
1: yeah I'm sure you are let's just do the
0: news (laughs) oh you said it I did I did
1: what's in the news this week oh
0: a little bit of this a little bit of that Um, I steered away from the tabletop D&D stuff because you know I knew we were gonna talk about it in a segment right so this week First thing that caught my eye is a pair of stories related to something that's been showing up in the news intermittently over the last few months. Partly because, you know, I really, really like the franchise, and partly because it is making waves again with a feature film and, you know, now an announcement of the new entry. In the Bioshock video game series 10 years later.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: Bioshock. It's been a minute. Yeah, Bioshock 4 is now officially uh, in the writing stage. And um, we have none other than Liz Abel, who wrote the scripts for Far Cry 5, which I thought was an excellent game. Uh, also has writing credits for Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs, is the narrative lead for Bioshock 4. So we're coming up on its 10th anniversary, um, and we're finally getting something beyond the third installment of Bioshock, which was up in the clouds, Um, Bioshock Infinite. So uh, the game is yet to be named. All we know is that Bioshock 4, Pencil to Paper, is starting, and that's. Well, she has, certainly has the
1: the chops to pull that off, considering her history. The, uh, you know, the question is, you know, what is what has that company been doing for ten years? I mean, Bioshock was, you know, don't get me wrong, Bioshock was a great franchise. It was a lot of fun to play. It had really interesting lore, but it's been you know, 10 years since we've seen anything out of
0: it. Well, here's the thing, right? We know that the parent company that was the originators of Bioshock uh, has been dormant forever and ever and ever, and then rebranded themselves as Ghost Games, and then has been dormant since the rebranding until our next news story. Um, But the Bioshock franchise itself has been... um, under the umbrella of 2K, and they now have spun off their own development studio called Cloud Chamber, which is going to be responsible for the next entry in the Bioshock line. Uh, Subsequent leaks suggest that we are looking at an abandoned research base in the Antarctic. But
1: that's an interesting idea for that franchise.
0: Right now, it's all just conjecture. There's nothing... That confirms nor denies. So uh, we, we will see.
1: We'll have I, to keep our eye on it and put our drool bucket under Ryan.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I did allude to the fact that Ghost Games and Ken Levine, the original creator of Bioshock, has also made some news this week. Um, at the Game Awards, he released a brand new trailer for a game called Judas. And that trailer, Shocker, gives off lots of Bioshock vibes, right? Okay, what is Judas? I have not heard of this. Uh, Judas is, according to Ghost Games, an entirely new world and set of characters, and is going to explore different approaches to single-player, yet narrative, first-person shooters. Huh. Other than that... We only have a really weird concept trailer that was released at the Video Game Awards with very stylized art and very unique looks. Possibly some sort of mechanical woman, robot, sentient AI. Who knows? Um, All we know is that Ghost Games is now... Or, excuse me, Ghost Story Games. I always leave out the Ghost Story Ghost Story Games is under Take-Two Interactive and it will be that studio's official first title. So
1: I'd be interested to know more about that. Uh, I'll have to keep my eye out for that. I I've always liked something, you know, narrative driven. So when I think of narrative driven like first person shooters, you know, you think of things like Fallout or Outer Worlds. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see somebody else's take on it.
0: We'll see what we've got. Hey, we've got lots of video games in the news this week. Uh, Final Fantasy fans can rejoice. Square Enix has announced that Final Fantasy 16. Yes. That that pains me to say that. 16. Because you and I were there for one.
1: We were there for one.
0: Um, Final Fantasy 16 has a release date set for June 22nd, 2023. Of course, PS5 exclusive. What do we know? All we know is, again, the game has been in development since uh, fifteen in 2016. And uh, it's had a lot of challenges thanks to political climates of the day. Uh, You might remember many months ago we talked about the game coming under fire because it was set in a... Medieval Euro mimicking setting, right? right, We talked about that. uh, They had, you know, their troubles with people having a hard time understanding that if you're mimicking medieval Europe, there's not going to be a whole lot of diversity. I mean, uh, diversity as far as you know, pop media likes to call it diverse. You and I know that you can travel 50 miles in particularly in Eastern Europe, and have an amazing range of diversity. But through the political eyes of today, and, you know, I'm not getting into the argument for it, you know, they came under fire for, you know, there's no diversity in the characters in this game. Um, Heavens forbid it's accurate. Um, But they've had other challenges, and of course, you know, it's Square Enix, so polish is a big thing for them. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: their games are always visually stunning.
0: We'll see. We'll see. June, not that far off. Six months away. That leads me to believe that the game is probably in the can and and just ready to go. So.
1: Right, or, or undergoing final touches.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Uh, of course, everybody on other platforms is going to have to wait, but that's okay. We'll, we'll let the... PlayStation folks work out the bugs, and then I'll get it when it hits PC. Uh, <laughs> did you like Final Fantasy fifteen?
1: I enjoyed Final Fantasy fifteen. I mean, visually it was stunning. Of course, it's a Square game; they always put a lot of sort of craft and polish into their games. But I really did enjoy. Like, I found more interest in the like sort of side quests and mini games, like. I uh I completed the cooking challenge, the fishing challenge, and the photography challenge in Final Fantasy 15.
0: Final Fantasy 15 rubbed me the wrong way because it shifted the genre fully into action RPG. And it was coming, we saw it, and you know, I guess it's right. it's just my resistance. It, uh, it didn't feel Final Fantasy. I mean, it looked Final Fantasy-ish and um, there was that whole prologue thing. I couldn't get through the first hour, Bert, because I'm playing it, and I'm like, this isn't Final Fantasy. Give me a menu and let me hit fight. <laughs> I really had a hard time with it, and uh, you're right. It's beautiful. Uh, I I hear the story is good. I don't know. I couldn't get past that whole first bit with the the genre change and now 16 is following in its footsteps they're just openly calling it an action rpg so right and
1: and i mean you knew that menu-driven rpgs couldn't last forever i mean the reason that they were menu-driven back then was it was the only way to create all of that sort of expansiveness without uh oh i completely
0: disagree i completely disagree look at the success of octopath traveler (laughs) It is effectively a 16-bit RPG. And it is tremendously successful. Its sequel is coming out soon, too.
1: Right, but, I mean, you don't think that Octopath Traveler's success is from playing on nostalgia from people
0: like you? No. No, I don't. I think that uh, there is that factor of people that are the nostalgia buy but I also think that it has reached down to new players as well because it it has been tremendously successful. So much so that even with the new Final Fantasy releases, that HD 2D style that they pioneered for Octopath Traveler is being reserved for Octopath Traveler with the exception of one scene in the remake of Final Fantasy VI, which was the opera scene. Now I'm getting really deep. (laughs) Um, Because, let's face it, you could remake Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI with that style and just print fucking money.
1: (laughs) That's true. They were the, you know, out of the one, they had the sort of the most gripping stories like uh, five and six, like everybody raves about seven as an advance in the, uh, in the technology of the time, but five and six had great story elements and really interesting and sort of gripping.
0: Right. The world that was created specifically in six has not been recreated ever since in final fantasy. So you youngins that might be listening, go play yourself some final fantasy six. And uh, leave the strategy guide at the door. Find that shit on your own.
1: (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, man. So, you know, when it comes to games like that, not to get off topic, but when it comes to games like that, those retro RPGs that had, you know, hundreds of side quests and hundreds of hours of gameplay, were you one of those people who bought the strategy guide and like sort of like delved into it or did you just sort of explore everything and hope you stumbled across something cool
0: no 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 no, no, there was there was no strategy guide no you know i was lifelong nintendo power subscriber so i had glimpses of tips and tricks and strategies but it was also snippets in the form of a magazine right not entire game walkthroughs right now Final Fantasy VI also presented a transition for me. I played through it pure the first time. And this was at the very, the release of Final Fantasy VI was right around the infancy of the web as we know it today. Right. right? Um, and GameFacts.com <laughs> had a community that published like a 500-page just bible document for final fantasy 6 and that was the first time i after i played through pure i went back and saw the things that i missed and the things that could be done and you know i would read through and, and see that but that was the first time in my world i experienced play sort of with that supplement and of course now they have a change those supplements are now uh, almost expected to be used with games right um, I don't know I, I still kind of want to play pure because back then if you got stuck or you couldn't figure it out you asked your friends right
1: hey hey yeah, I, sure. I can't
0: do this someone will show you how to do it or you know you called the 900 number and and you got the tip to get you through wherever you're stuck. And that was you know, if you were really well off, you could call the nine hundred number,
1: right, yeah, and if you had the money to do it, I never did,
0: or you know you just begged for help <laughs> <laughs> or ground it out and eventually figured it out and said, "God, I'm stupid," and uh figured that sort of shit out, so it it was the first game, I guess, that in my world necessitated that extra bit, you know, right. oh, oh, what? I can play Zumaro Yeah, so um <laughs> uh it's, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Right. I don't shun that entirely, obviously. I did it, right? But um it still leaves a bitter taste in my mouth when I have to look something up.
1: <laughs> Back in the day, I would buy the game and the strategy guide because the strategy guide would go out of print and then I would just lock the strategy guide in a drawer and play the game pure. And then I had the strategy guide to show me what I missed later, but I always bought them together because it, for the longest time, like those strategy guys would disappear. They'd go out of print. You yep. couldn't
0: get them. And, and they did only get one run unless it was a super, super big hit game. Oh, last but not least, um, one of my favorite more modern shows that met an untimely demise was American Gods and great show yeah fantastic show uh canceled after its third season uh saw its showrunners shifting every single year saw its cast in turmoil um for such an angsty show it had an angsty behind the scenes as well (laughs) and um We, as fans of the show, were not the only ones that felt that sort of burn. A recent interview with Crispin Glover, you know him, he played Mr. World. Of course. We also know that uh, he is the first and only, in my mind, George McFly. (laughs) True. He recently disclosed in an interview that the chaos from behind the scenes led to the chaos of the show, and despite critical and rating success the the show met its untimely end almost as much for the behind the scenes confusion as it did with what was going on on the screen quote each season had a different showrunner which of course that's a bit confusing because the showrunner is going to have very individualized approach to how they write or are in charge of the writing team he continues I was expecting within the three years that he would have done this kind of slow motion interpretation of the book from Brian Fuller and Michael Green and then unfortunately that didn't continue um, everything just went awry and if you watched honestly it did kind of fall apart towards the end of the second season and the third season was really hit or miss um,
1: yeah yeah I, I can't disagree with you
0: Yes. It was such a great show that just never was able to, I think, reach the peaks that it really could. Um,
1: Right. I mean, the first season was amazing, but they were still finding their footing. And then it sort of seems like they lost their way in season two. And season three, like you said, was hit or miss. Sometimes they were, seemed like to be right on track. And other times it was just kind of, you know, all over the place.
0: Right. Not to mention, you know, it, started to draw the ire of the Woke Warriors, too. In Season 2, um, they were accused of insulting just about anything. I mean, throw it at the wall, they were accused of it. They, you're insulting black viewers, you're insulting LGBTQIA viewers, you're insulting Native Americans, you're insulting who knows what else. And then Season 3, almost as a knee-jerk reaction to that, had you know oh well we're gonna have our super gay episode we're gonna have our super black episode we're gonna have our super indian episode and it's it just it didn't work and i wanted it to work because i really loved the premise i loved the cast i thought the cast was tremendous and you know i i i would go gay for ian mcshane in just about anything so uh come get me odin um I'm glad to know that the angst I feel as a fan wasn't limited just to me. So, share in my <laughs> suffering, peoples. Um, I wanted it to be so good and held on through the whole thing. And it just. It just fizzled, man. It did. Yeah, it did. Mm. So sad. One wanted. I still, I still love the show, though, right? Right. <laughs> I really do. I look back, and I, I, I still love that fucking show. Oh, that's the news, my friend. Ah, oh, shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the news is kind of all over the place this week, isn't it? Yeah. Shipped out memory lane. A uh, lots of video games. Know. Lots Lots of of, almost
0: exclusively video games, were it not for American gods, because like I said, you know, the big D and D news was bigger than just us talking about it for a couple of minutes. Right. Uh we went heavy in the first half, so we'll clean up light in, in, in the last segment here. I alluded to And on to a the, high note? Pardon me? And on a high note? I think so. Um our dear friend Dan and I sat down this week, right? Okay, and uh, well, you know, he has a very enviable gaming library. <laughs> to right, say the least.
1: I, I I would almost call it a gaming horde. He has, uh, you know, anytime you're like, what's this one obscure thing, and he goes, Oh yeah, I've got like uh, I've got all of that.
0: <laughs> I think a gaming horde is an accurate description for it because it's not terribly organized and it's not categorized no. and it's just there but he's got it all right
1: right it's like a cave in his house where all of the games are just like everywhere
0: well we were talking about the re-release of Rollmaster because you know he and okay. i have uh a 30 year running gag with Rollmaster master because there was one character creation session that was like 10 hours <laughs> <laughs> we love our charts um and I was saying, you know, we're, we're, the re-release of Rollmaster is coming out. He's like, "Oh, that's great! Let's look at this." Da da da. da. And we went through and we looked at the the re-release of Rollmaster, and he said, "You remember the central casting books?" I said, "Yeah, I had dungeons." He's like, "Yeah, I've got them all." I said, "Well, of course you do. Uh, <laughs> of course you do. You you have everything." <laughs> he said, "Well, let's make a dungeon just for the hell of it, because you know, yeah, we were." talking about the book and, and the ladies on Twitter this week we're talking about how you know creating things on the fly is sort of a lost art in in Dungeons and Dragons um, let's make a dungeon and I said all right I'll pull out my copy you bring your copy we sat down and we awesome. went through with no background story no prep literally just going through rolling the tables for the dungeon. And we effectively have fleshed out an entire module just running this old school, creating a dungeon for shits and giggles.
1: And that's cool because, I mean, once you have the dungeon established, like, that, the, you can sort of tack on thematic elements and things like that and sort of make it, you know...
0: Well here's the thing what do you right? want it to be since we were sitting down and doing this together, we were literally sitting at my table and you know, having snacks and rolling D hundreds and <laughs> and going through and we started and you know, the entrance to the dungeon roll okay, the table says uh, uh it's a it's a dormant lava tube that ends and there's a stairway and that's the main entrance to the dungeon. So we started with that, right? and that's kind of awesome we used the bits and pieces and as we were creating it oh here's your burial chamber oh here's your great hall oh my goodness here's an arena uh here's the servants quarters as we were going through this you know it would it would drive our dear friends absolutely insane because there was nothing there but through just What was presented to us in our creativity, we were able to say, oh yeah, and and these are the people that would be here, and this is the people that would be here. And by the end of it, we said, yeah, and and this is his dungeon, and this is why this dungeon exists, and this is who would be in this dungeon, and this is why the dungeon was originally built. And at the end of it, we ended up starting with D-Hundreds and Tables and doing Tabletop role playing does best. And that is being creative on the fly. Short of names, we have characters, we have personalities, we even have inside jokes for the dungeon, right? <laughs> That's great. It was I remember a sitting reminder down for dungeon design. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a it was a stark and shocking reminder. Because it's been a while since I've done something like that of how you can go truly old school like textbook OSR and still have a phenomenally deep narrative experience so to those they used to
1: run into that with the old like do you remember the old old treasure tables where there were like yep. dozens and dozens of them and you'd be like you find a piece of art okay you found a dead guy he has a piece of art it's a statue like 12 inches tall and so like the table would take you through and then you're like why would this dead guy have this? Like, it would give you, like, a whole bunch of things that you could do just from, you know, a random-generated, you know, tchotchke.
0: Right. No, I I absolutely... Because we lived it. I, we, I did it with Dan. So, um, I'll, I'll give you an example here. Uh, got dice handy? Sure. Okay. Uh,
1: give me one second. Let get
0: D, get D100, and I'm going to have you roll a room, and I'll sh- sort of... Let you know what this was like, right?
1: Sure, absolutely. Okay, got a set of dice right here. Right. D100,
0: you said. D100. We're gonna we're gonna do some some construction here. Nope, that's an eight-sided.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that will make the rolling really interesting. Okay, there's one, and there's the other. Okay. That's all right. It's a big mason jar full of dice that sits on my desk. As like, a, I throw all my retired dice into it. Like you lose a die or whatever, so it's got like half sets and things like that all over the place.
0: Yeah. Now we're not going to go into the because you know your does it have a door? Is the door open? Is the door locked? Is the door broken? Is the door trapped? We we did all of that. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just pick up on uh, a you know. Uh, On a generic room, and and sort of we're going to mimic what happened here. So, okay. Okay. So, your first D-100. 13. 13. Uh, We're creating a military room. Okay. Next D-100. 84. 84. It is a guard room. Okay. Now, a guard room has to have an antechamber, right? Because... right. You know, for for two reasons. One is if you have some good mercenaries that are on your team, you don't want anybody getting into their room. And two, if you have people that are in a barracks for other reasons, you don't want them leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so um, first things first is we have to, to roll this antechamber. Go ahead and give me D100. hundred. Eleven. All right, so it's got a ten by ten antechamber. uh go ahead and roll for the room size of the guard room. I heard that.
1: Die fell off my desk.
0: Five Also a ten by ten room size for the guard. so we'll say that there's you know modest furnishings, so this houses two guards, so like it's not comfortable quarters for right. two guards, and then there's a antechamber that's so that they probably don't get out. So go ahead and roll for an additional entrance here.
1: 57.
0: Okay, so there is an additional entrance um, to a different type of room. Uh, let's pretend it's an entrance to an arena, right? Okay. So here's what I've got. I've got this this guard room that has a, a sort of holding area in front and then a living quarters in the back and then an entrance directly into an arena so this guard room is really holding prisoners that are quote gladiators for the arena
1: right i was going to say it sounds like you know sort of gladiator storage
0: and you know the the thing i love about this is you can pop this into any system, you know, because, of course, you roll encounters, you roll treasures, blah, 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 blah. We took what was, you know, early 90s speak and moderned it up a little bit. Right. Um, So when we rolled for an encounter, you know, I either had below, at, above, significantly above, or run away. Right. (laughs) Right. And we, we... We did that, and I have a complete system agnostic dungeon with a story because as we were going through this, we were doing the, oh, well, you know, Bob and Jim have been in here for 10 years. They haven't lost a fight, but they know it's coming sooner or later. They're not getting any younger, and, you know, they made friends with the one servant whose servant's chamber is across the hall, and she brings them their meals and tries to slip them, you know, extra rations as they get it because... Jim and Sophie are really having a little uh, boot-knocking in in the nighttime whenever the master's away, blah, 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 blah. And it just goes from one to the other to the other. But, though out in the arena, on the other side of the arena, there's a taxidermy room. So the lions that get destroyed in the arena get taxidermied and then put into the Great Hall. Uh, Just this stream of consciousness approach to creation.
1: Right, right. And as it goes along, like, even from the little bit that you gave me, I can almost picture, like, you know, this is some, uh, you know, this is some grand, you know, grand palace for some mad despot. I can see the taxidermy room, like, he stops the lions and marks the number of kills, and you'll see, the like, the lion's name and the number of kills that they had before they were brought
0: down. Do you have my house bugged, Bert? (laughs) No, no, not at all. No, it, it, it was a... Really refreshing experience. So, for everybody out there that is worried, or if you are, you know, maybe you cut your teeth on fourth or fifth edition and you are intimidated by this process, don't be. Don't be. Find someone in your group or outside of your group that you can just have a conversation with creatively and try it. Or, at your next session, know that there's an encounter, but not know what it is. Or know that the party is going to do X, but not know where they're going to do it. And create it on the fly, because that is part of the magic that made us fall in love with the hobby. It's right, the not... I mean,
1: inspiration can come from anywhere, just even from charts and tables.
0: Absolutely. the You know... This book in particular, not fancy, Uh, fair to average for the day artwork, which you know what the artwork was in the late 80s and early 90s. I'm not saying it was poor, that it was a style, but it was a dated style by today's standards. Absolutely it was. Um, Still, we were able to sit down with it today, and I could pop it into anything. I can run Sparkle Troll 5th Edition. I can run BX. I could even use this in a modern campaign setting and just make this an antiquated ruin that I found. Right,
1: absolutely. You could do so many things with it. I I was just thinking I could easily slot this into a Pathfinder session or, you uh, you know, you could really just put it into any system because, I mean, at this point, you've only got sort of the bare bones, but it's exactly kind of what you need to get an idea going.
0: Right. So, you know, Dan and I were, or I guess Dan was joking around with me. He was like, now you're going to take this because it was me in a spiral notebook with the dice. And we were just sitting at the table doing this. He said, you're going to take this and you're going to go into campaign cartographer for three months and you're going to have this dungeon, aren't you? And I said, I am. He said, well, if you do that, you might as well just format it and put it up for two bucks on drive through or on Big Geek Emporium, and make it available. And I said, oh, you know, Auras is going to be a long ways away, but this, I I could, you know, I could have this crazy volcano dungeon lair that you can pop into any setting, any campaign that you want anywhere. I don't know that I'll actually do that if I were going to release it. <laughs> who Who knows? Uh, I mean, but you know,
1: could, it could be a module for Auras.
0: It could, it could, it could be the 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 sample dungeon for for the core book of Auras. Uh, it could be nothing. It could just live in my notebook. And I had a wonderful time with a good friend. So who the hell knows what it's going to be? But it was a wonderful reminder that we're not wrong.
1: <laughs> we're not it sounds wrong. Like a- it sounds like a great way to kill an afternoon. I wish I had been there.
0: Afternoon? Uh we, we didn't start it till probably nine o'clock, so <laughs> oh, okay. Uh
1: burning the midnight oil on that one then.
0: No, you know, it wasn't that bad because you know, we had dinner with it and we weren't, you know, really grinding hard. It's not like we were sitting there working. We were just having a good time and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm tired. Why? Oh, it's one in the morning. Okay. Been there. So, uh, really fun time. Uh, Definitely reminded me that in our hobby, improv and creativity are still king. And don't let those other folks tell me otherwise. Hey, you know who's our king right now? Who's our king right now? Our king. Well, sort of king. How about we just call them our check mark hero our check mark hero is still matt barninger we're getting closer bert we're getting closer we can finally turn on the blue check mark hopefully soon knock on wood Ooh. um the the big bad elon has uh turned on the subscriptions again it is still just apple but um our Checkmark Hero, Matt Barninger, has enabled us to do that, and we thank him for it. He's a super guy, really interesting, and awesome creative writer and screenwriter. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Barninger, B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, really, really proud to have Matt <laughs> as our first Checkmark Hero. You, too, can be a... Checkmark Hero! Just Venmo eight bucks to at nerdcognito, and in the order that we get your eight bucks is the order that you will be the checkmark hero for that month. Uh, Matt's already got some time locked up though, so we'll let you know what your month is and when to listen. But uh, we certainly appreciate all of that stuff. We also appreciate you tuning in, and we know that you can't tune in effectively unless you are subscribed. So go to the podcast provider of your choice and hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can also throw us a review. Hey, we've been getting positive reviews to counteract the Sparkle Troll reviews, and we we, we appreciate those. We got blasted with the Sparkle Troll reviews right around the time where I got deplatformed. Uh, reviews are always nice, <laughs> but what's really nice is you being able to hear us each and every week, and you can't do that without smashing the subscribe button. And tell your friends, you know. Don't just keep this as a secret. We want our conversation to go far and wide. We're not in it for the money, folks. There sure ain't any money.
1: <laughs> no, there's no
0: money. Uh, uh, but we are in it because we love the hobby and we want to have as much of our community be able to interact with the show as possible. So make sure to spread the word. Oh, any final thoughts or something that's in your craw this week? You got to get out, Bert. Otherwise, I'm ready to head for Z Hills. I'm, I'm going to bed.
1: No, I think I'm ready to wrap it up,
0: too. Oh, it was a fun week. We talked about all sorts of goodies. And we ended with the good reminder of why we love what we're doing. You know, it's sitting and being creative and having a good time with friends. And that's the bottom line. My name is Ryan David. I thank you for joining us this week. We will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!